Good morning. Welcome to the Marysville 3CU Church. We're happy to have you with us. For those of you that have come to worship with us in portion, in portion, in person, I want to let you know that we're moving locations, and so check out our website, marysville3cu.org, and we'll let you uh, know more about that, our Facebook page, and things like as well. And uh, we just want to make you aware of that. For our message today, we're going to turn to the book of James chapter 4. And, and actually, in today's message, we're going to look at several different scriptures. And in the scriptures we look at, I want you to start to pick up a theme as we link them together. Preaching a message and then finding scripture to support it sometimes be troublesome as people take it out of context. You know, if you, if you uh, take a tape, I guess they don't use tape anymore, but an audio recording, and you, or a movie, and you start splicing the audio together, and they'll say, well, that was doctored to make me say things that I actually didn't say. Sometimes people use scripture, and they want it to say a certain thing, so they work and twist the scripture around to make it say what they want. But if we look at multiple scriptures that are telling us the same thing, it's kind of like looking at a diamond and the multiple facets of a diamond, and we get a pure look of it, and we get the beauty of scripture and how it links together. Today, we're kind of going to look at it kind of from that standpoint. We're looking at, at sin is an offense. Sin is an offense is the title of the message. And as we think about that, what kind of brought us to bear as we hear of, of uh, people in Finland coming under prosecution, the trial's not over yet, but they're coming under prosecution for quoting scripture or writing pamphlets about scripture that present an opinion, actually we would say it is fact, but it's a biblical presentation of the truth that some might find offensive, that they might find offensive. And so as we look in the United States and wherever you are that might be listening to this, if we look at things and we start saying, well, I don't want to be offensive to someone else, then you're going to have a trouble presenting any scripture to them because they might find it offensive. Because when the light comes on the darkness, it illuminates things that are out of alignment, out of whack, you might say, with God. When the light shines in the darkness, it reveals some things, and it reveals things that are going in the darkness. So if we're going out into the world and we want to present the gospel, but we don't tell them that what they're doing is wrong, what shall wake them up to their need to repent? Some would preach the gospel that repentance is maybe not required, or at least they don't bring it up, and it's all happy and it's all good, and, and God is love. But God is love. God is love. He loved us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for us. If sin is not offensive to him and sin does not require any activity, why would he put his son through that turmoil, through that pain, through that agony? Why would Jesus even need to come if sin is okay and not offensive to God? 
He is a God of love, but he also is a God of justice, a God of truth. And we'll find as we look at these scriptures that sin might be offensive to people. Actually, sin is offensive to God, but calling out their sins is offensive to them because they're not seeking God, but they need to be awakened to it. So let's look at scripture in James chapter 4. And as we go through these scriptures, I want you to pick up on this theme. We're going to see a word like enmity. It's an opposition, a hostility towards. And you've probably seen hostility and opposition to to God's word because there's opposition and hostility towards God. James 4, 4, adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Did you absorb that? We want to be friends with Jesus. Friendship with Jesus. We want to be closer with God. That should be our priority of a relationship. We should not want to sacrifice our relationship with God so that we can be non-offensive to someone that we might meet in the street or someone we might meet in church. We're not saying that we need to go and be offensive. God wants us to love our neighbor as ourselves, to treat them well, but to coddle someone and not want to make them feel uncomfortable. Some people are comfortable being around you because they know you don't say certain words. You don't do certain things. And then they're going to look at you and tell you, say, call you things like, you know, you're one of those holier-than-thou people. Even if you didn't say anything. Because by looking at you, your conversation, your conduct, how you present yourself and live your life causes them to fall under conviction. It shines light on them that they are doing something they know better. Friendship, adulterers and adulteresses, do you, not, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Now let's turn to Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 7. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 7. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded, or fleshly minded, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be carnally minded. If you were to look into 
1 Corinthians, you would find these terms of natural man, someone that is carnal. The Paul uses the phrasing carnal mind, babes in Christ. And then there's those that are spiritually minded. So a carnal mind, to be carnally minded, is it's that concept and it says fleshly. It's like my needs or my desires, I should say, are lifted above God's. I've elevated myself. And you think about to be carnally minded, you have, you've seen the, the angel and the devil on your shoulder kinds of illustrations. It's that concept of you're listening more towards yourself and what you want to do and what might be the easy thing to do knowing that it's not in alignment with what God wants you to do. And you think back to the root of sin in the garden where Eve was tempted and you will be like God. And so you can see if you can elevate yourself up to God, you can't have God be God and you be God. They're at enmity. There's hostility because if you're going to serve God, you need to put yourself to the side. So it's carnally minded. It's enmity. It's this fighting. It's in contrast. A young Christian will find them fighting against themselves until they come to the place that they surrender to God. And God starts working on things and then they become chastised, corrected, and you need to do better in this area. But when people are out in sin, they need to be convicted of the wrong of their sin. And even as young Christians, when they sin, they need to be convicted of it because that sin is a blot against them that they need to ask forgiveness of and repent of so the blood of Jesus can be applied. Enmity. 1 Corinthians 1.18 So we'll tune now in this look at things. And as we go out in the world and we talk to them about things of God, it says, for the message of the cross is foolishness. The message of the cross is foolishness. To those who are perishing... But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It's foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It's like seeing someone drowning, and you have a life preserver that you send out to them, and maybe they didn't, don't know about these flotation devices. And they're like, I'm not going to take this. That's not going to help me. That's not going to get me out of that my situation. And so they cast it to the side. And how frustrating it can be as you're trying to throw them the life preserver to save their life as they're drowning in sin. But they're like, that's not going to help me. I don't know if you've ever run into someone and you're trying to help someone. And you're talking to them, and they're just not getting what you're trying to tell them, that this will help you, and they don't want anything to do with it. But you know that it saves you, that it's rescued you, you know that it will help them 
in their life. It's like someone drunk on sin. You're trying to offer them a ride so they don't drive themselves because you know that it will save them. They're like, no, I can drive. No, I can drive. They don't realize that the way that they're driving their life is driving them to their own destruction like a drunk is driving towards their own destruction. And unfortunately, just like a drunk sometimes bounces around in the car because they're so drunk, they end up killing someone else. So too, sin has its consequences. And the victims outside just those that commit it. It's foolishness to them. They don't understand it. Don't be surprised that they don't. But they need to be convicted of their sin. There is a tendency. You will find it in government. You'll come find it in international affairs. They found it back when Chamberlain was over Britain. If I remember my history correctly, Chamberlain appeased and tried to have an appeasement campaign with Hitler. Well, we all know how that went. You have to confront sin. That wrong is wrong. We can't just appease it and say that it is okay. Again, we find that people are looking at things and appeasing people that are doing wrong and saying they're doing wrong, they shouldn't be doing that, but, you know, we shouldn't hold them accountable. We don't know why they come to that end or made that decision. They might have had a bad environment. So we just let them continue in what they're doing. We don't help them. Oh, if they're having trouble with drugs, let's give them more drugs. If they're having trouble with not having home, uh, a place to live, let's give them food so they can live in the tent instead of helping them get the help they need. We don't call out things that are a problem we appease. It's not loving to let someone that is doing something harmful to themselves to continue to do that. If you go down that if you go down that path, if someone's about to commit suicide, are you just going to let them do it? I don't think so. But people are killing themselves a slow death, and we just let them keep doing it. In the churches, we want to appease. Large denominations are appeasing for the numbers. They don't want to cause an offense. But the problem is sin is at odds with God. By nature, sin is offensive to God. And if we never wake them up to that, they're going to continue to be at odds and at enmity with God. And if we are people of God, we're going to be at enmity with the world. It's not going to fit. 2 Corinthians 4, 2. My hope as we look at these different scriptures and these different passages that you start getting the the greater picture. Verse 1. Let's back up verse 1 of 2 Corinthians 4. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. 
For we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, condemning ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But we have, verse 2 again, we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, condemning ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. We are not playing games with God's word and trying to find a way around the things that we don't like and playing games with it. We are presenting the truth so that as we say the truth, we also then are, excuse me, by speaking the truth and preaching the truth, we hold ourselves accountable to that same truth. Because if I want to twist it around to make the things that I know to be wrong, to somehow look like they're okay, I'm playing games with the scripture. And Paul's saying we're not doing that. We're not playing craftiness games. We are, by manifestation of the truth, bringing the truth forward, we're commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. We are speaking the truth thereby holding ourselves accountable to that same truth based on the word of God. People want to twist the scriptures. Churches want to twist the scriptures because they don't want to be of offense to someone because someone might be offended and affect their offering. Someone might be offended and affect who comes. But as we preached to you previously, recently, he didn't, it's not the whole that need the physician. It's those that are dying. They need to be coming. They need to be made aware that they need Jesus. But we need to show them love, but not say everything they're doing is okay. Because then we're not telling the truth. We're telling them that everything is okay and everything is not okay. They're living in sin. They need Jesus who died for their sins. And if everything there is doing is okay and contradictory to the word of God, what did we say? Then why did Jesus have to come to die? Why does scripture say, for the wages of sin is death. And if we know the wages of sin is death, then why do we call sin okay? Things that God says are wrong, we want to float over. But we have to realize when we speak the truth, even speaking the truth in love, that the word of God is offensive to some because it says that they're doing things that are not consistent with God. And we could go down and label different sins right now, but let me just say to you this way. Some people might say, I am born this way. The scripture tells us, for we are born in sin. We are born in sin. And whether we're talking about the sin of homosexuality, or we're talking about the sin of alcoholism, where we're, alcohol, we're consuming and becoming drunk with wine. Scripture says, do not be drunk with wine, wherein is excess. We're not supposed to get drunk. People have a tendency towards those things. They can say, well, I was born with this tendency. Yes, you were born in sin. Some people have a tendency to gamble. That's wrong. Some people have a hot temper. 
God needs to deal with all those kinds of things. But if we're born in sin and everything we're born with is okay, then why did Jesus have to come to die? It doesn't make it okay. We need to work on it. Otherwise, when our children are young, we wouldn't correct them for lying because they naturally do it. You ask them, uh, what happened? Did you eat the cake I told you not to eat? No. And they got cake all over their mouth. They naturally lie. So why do you correct them? Why do you teach them that's okay? Some have a tendency to just be lazy and not get things done. Okay, is that okay? But you see where this is going. It's okay, so no doubt there are parents out there that don't give their children any correction. It's everything's okay. And when we look at Scripture, that should preside over our worldview of things, then we find out that that's not a parent that loves their child, it's a parent that hates their child. Scripture uses those terms, but it talks about a father that loves their children. Aren't they going to chasten them? Aren't they going to correct them if they love them and help them do the things that are beneficial for their well-being? Have you not seen children or have you not have children when they're young or let alone when they're old? Make choices you wish they wouldn't make because you know they're going to get in trouble. But you tell them, oh, it's okay. You as a child are clearly much wiser than I am. A five-year clearly can make a decision on what their sexuality is going to be for the rest of their life. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. God in His wisdom has given us His Word to teach and instruct us, and that should guide our worldview and permeate how we approach life and its decisions and how we walk through it. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as is written, the just shall live by faith. Sin is offensive. Sin is offensive to God. And when we call out sin in others, it might be offensive to them. And just like a child doesn't understand, just like a child doesn't understand, neither do some that are in sin understand their need of Christ, their need of salvation. But Bible calls sin, sin, and so we need to be obedient to that. Preach the word in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, reprove, rebuke with all long-suffering and doctrine, which means in season, out of season, I need to preach the truth whether you like it or you don't like it. Whether it's in season and everybody likes it or it's out of season and nobody likes it. God's word is the truth. It remains the truth. It doesn't change. God's the same. And we need to respond to him and love him with all our heart and being, even if it means the world doesn't like us, even if it means they think what we're preaching is foolishness. We've got to stay on the side of God. Let's be standing together.
Father God, we thank you for the truth in your word, and we pray to the Lord that we might walk in courage and the power of your might and speak the truth and love to the people that we come in contact with, that you would help us to be obedient to you in all things. Oh Lord, we pray that we would not buckle under the oppression of those that would try to shout us down, that we would be strong in how we present the gospel. I pray to the Lord that you would help us to just be consistent for you. To anticipate that it might mean that not everybody's going to like the truth of Scripture, but it doesn't make it any less true. And that, Father, that we might strengthen our resolve to seek you first, to love you with all our heart, our mind, and our strength, and our soul, and our, just with all. But, Lord, to love our neighbors as ourselves. But, Father, not to compromise when it comes to sin and our need of a Savior. Bless us, we pray. Help us to be consistent witnesses through you, both in what we say and how we present ourselves to others in our conduct. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.